Our scripture lesson today comes from John's Gospel, the 18th chapter, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? And Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And from Revelations, the first chapter, 4b through 8. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sin by his blood. And made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end says the Lord God, who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Move in our hearts and minds, O God, that we may hear a word meant for us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I know we've all grown up and we've gone to plays. Sometimes those plays are one act. Sometimes they're two acts. Sometimes they're five act plays. But the, the shorter plays, like the one act plays, there are, you know, you can't go too deep with them. The, their, their characters are, are not very complex. You just don't have time to get, go very deep. But when you get to a play like a five-act play, like Hamlet, for instance, you have an opportunity for personalities and for culture and deal with politics and religion. You can go much deeper into the complexities uh, of human life. Reverend Joshua Byron says that some people live as if their, their lives are one-act plays. We kind of get in a... Uh, in a routine of just having the same loop or worry go over and over again. I've been there, haven't you? I remember when I have had, uh, had, have, have had doubt and I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You've never felt like that, can you? Have you? And that, and that can't just, just kind of takes over, you know, and kind of ruins where, whatever else I've, I'm thinking it's like I, my life becomes a one-act play, very simple and pitiful. Or there have been times when I've been like the 
Epicurean and, and thought, oh, just don't worry. Just eat, drink, be happy. Life is short. Kind of like Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes. That short-sighted philosophy. Okay? It's like a one-act play, you know, where we just reduce life to a very simple thing. One-act one act plays are not so meaningful. And then Samuel Wells, who's a pastor in England, who worked at Duke for a while, as he wrote this book, Improvisation, the Drama of Christian Ethics. He says that we are living in a five-act play. And each of the five acts begin with the letter C. Creation, covenant, Christ, church, and consummation. Those are the five acts, the themes. Creation is the first act where God created everything we're told in John 1 and in Colossians that Christ, the Logos, the Word, was part of this creation. Colossians says, through him all things were made. Through him all things were made. Act 2 is covenant. That's where God adopts a group of people called the Hebrews. And he makes himself known to them. And agrees never to abandon them even after they turn their back to him. Act 3, the third C is Christ. That's when God comes down to earth in a, and gets to know us in an intimate way. God becomes a person. He can relate to us. This third act may seem like the climax of the play, especially with his teachings and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension. But it's not the climax yet. The fourth act in the play is the church. That's, that's where we are now, Sam Wells says. We're, in, we're, we're partners with God through the Holy Spirit. Then the fifth act is consummation. When we look for the return of Christ, coming on the clouds, as Revelation says, to establish this everlasting kingdom. But in this theater, we're not just the audience watching. It's an interactive theater. We're on the stage. We're participating in this story. We know there's going to be a happy ending. But in this fourth act where we are, the church act, we're, got, we're called to be God's partner in bringing about good in the world our side is one of kindness and love and hope in the midst of greed and evil and selfishness. Earlier in this service, we, play, we prayed the Lord's Prayer and we said, Thy kingdom come. We're looking forward to the fifth act. Thy kingdom come. That's the fifth act in this grand play. Consummation. When Christ will reign in final victory. Although we're living in this fourth act of the church. We're called to, to hope for and imagine the fifth act. Where Christ will reign. Our, re our reading today from Revelation. Reminds us of the glory of Christ. Grace and peace to you and peace from him who is. Who was and is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. 
in him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom. He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. That always bothered me. So it is to be. Amen. This fifth act we remember today reminds us that worship is not about us. It's about God. It's about the King of Kings. Jesus tells Pilate that he came to witness to the truth. What is truth? The truth is that God is love. We have trouble seeing that God is love because we live in the fourth act, not the fifth act. God's kingdom is filled with love, but we live in the fourth act, not the fifth. And in the fourth act, we experience love in glimpses. We may, we may have unselfish agape love for a moment, but then we get prideful about it. Oh, wasn't I good? <laughs> and we kind of drift away. We see that love in glimpses. When we worship and we come to church, we think about us rather than God and what we like and what songs we like rather than the God that we're glorifying. Sometimes our fears or hurts cause us to drift back into living in a one-act play mentality. There's a story that I heard as a child, and you've probably heard it over again and told it in, in your family. It's called Chicken Little. Anybody heard of Chicken Little? Yeah, I like Chicken Little. Um, chicken Little is this little chicken, and he's in the park barnyard. He's hit in the head with the acorn. You know, it hurts, I'm sure, if you're a little chicken and, he hit, and you're hitting the head by an acorn. And what does he say? Ah, the sky is falling. And he goes around and tells all the barnyard birds, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And Ducky Lucky, thank goodness there's Ducky Luckies in our lives. Ducky Lucky does the research and, the, and says, finally, you know, the sky is not falling, Chicken Little. You are hitting the head with the acorn. But the negative rumor is out. The sky is falling and everyone is panicking. You see, Ducky Lucky is not as popular as Chicken Little. The rumors of negativity and panic and fear are always more popular than the reason and the calm of Ducky Lucky. You know, today there's a lot of Chicken Little rumors out there, aren't there? A lot of predictions and panic and fear that's going around. Chicken Little is always more popular than Ducky Lucky. And if we aren't careful, we can let the sky is falling mentality get the best of us. It will become our song and our, and our life is reduced to a one-hack play with that as the main theme. It's happened to me over the years, over time, over and over again. I remember uh, a few years ago, a long time ago, I was in Washington, D.C., and I was doing uh, a tour of the federal buildings, you know, which are fabulous in Washington, D.C. They're, they're made with Indiana limestone, if you've ever cared. But um, the, 
uh, and, and, and this scientist was taking me around and showing us how there's little potholes that are, that's developing in the stone, the limestone. It's, it's very strong, but yet, the, and, and the cause of that was acid rain caused by automobile pollution. And, and they, they, you know, they're measured, they, in those days they were measuring pollution from the cars and it was raining down on the city and causing the stone to erode. And, and then, and he said, and you know, it's, it's drifting over to the Smoky Mountains. And it's, if you go to the mountains, it's killing trees somehow. And so I went to the Smoky Mountains and they're on top of Mount Mitchell next to Klingman's Dome. Sure enough, the mountain was just like a tree cemetery. Just all these dead, dead uh, Fraser firs and redwoods that they were just dead on top of Mount Mitchell. And I saw where they were measuring for acid rain. And, and I read how it was the woolly, woolly aphids that, that were causing the, 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 the trees got weak enough so this aphid kind of invaded them and was killing millions of trees in the Smokies all because of the acid rain, the pollution that drifted over um, down from the northeast. And, and I was just I was just upset, you know, our forest, the world's gonna end, and I was at Camp Simatonga. I was just a young pastor and I was and I was lamenting about this. Oh, you know, acid rain, pollution's ruining our, our our world, the trees are dying in the smokies. What's the world coming to? The sky is falling, the sky is falling. I was playing the role of Chicken Little. And Brother Burke Goodwin, this big old tall pastor who was a giant, spiritual giant in my life. He used to call me little buddy when I was in high school. He could do that. He was very tall. He could call me whatever he wanted. But, uh, and he came up and he put his big old arm around me and said, Little buddy, do you think God is not in control of this world? Do you think that God created these trees where that they are not going to be resilient? Do you think, Dale, that, that, that we can't figure out some way to help save the trees in the Smoky Mountains? Do you really think that life is over, that God is not going to be able to fix this? Yes, sir, Bert. I said, you see, Bert was the ducky lucky for me <laughs> that I needed when I was all caught up in the chicken little panic. And what happened many years ago, we, we changed the way car, cars pollute, right? You know, we put on all these things on our cars so we don't have the pollution that causes the acid rain. And life is better. And if you go up to Mount Mitchell today, You'll see all these young Fraser firs that are coming up and redwood trees that are growing and it'll be hard for you to find a woolly aphid, says the park rangers there. In 50 years, I suspect those Fraser firs are going to be tall and that mountaintop is going to be green once again. Brother Bert Goodwin was right to challenge my chicken little fears. One of my friends, Dr. Bill Pine, is a research professor at the University of Florida. And for 25 years or so, he's been working in the Colorado River, 
um, to save an endangered species called the humpback chub fish. It's this big old minnow that can be 18 inches long. And, and I've known his family for many years, and, and his father would go with him on these research expeditions along the Colorado River and come back and talk to me about it. But in the 1970s, this humpback chub was, uh, was, was listed as endangered. And, and Bill and his team have been working, trying to figure out how can we save this fish? It's the only place in the world this particular fish is, it, it lives. And, and they realized that the, the dams along the Colorado River during the daytime would release lots of uh, water down the river because that's when people used up electricity and at night they would drop it down they didn't release much water and didn't make that much electricity and and that that fluctuation of the water being released um, was ruining the ecosystem of the fish and other things and you know the water would rise up to 20 feet in the daytime then drop way down you know at night and so bill and the and and you know, talk to the operators of the dam and to, to figure out a way they could still make electricity but not release water so much, you know, to fluctuate to, to maybe save the, the humpback chub habitat. I saw Bill two weeks ago and uh, we just were on the same airplane when we were flying back from Europe and, and I said, well, what's going on? And he said, well, I've been working for 30 years on the on the help the humpback chub fish and he talks real fast and he said and now they're not endangered anymore I said what do you mean he said well you know they're they're not they've come back now and they're not on the endangered list list anymore they're on the threatened list I said that's great you see God loves those humpback chub fish and can be at work in the world through us to save the planet and I thought of brother Bert putting his big old arm on my shoulder and pushing down and saying little buddy do you think that God is not working through us to save this planet we hear a lot of negative stories I think it's good to hear some positive ones as well. God is at work through us to care for the planet, to care for other people. But for that to be, for that to happen, we have to calm down. We have to not live in a one-act chicken little world. We have to trust and believe that God is at work in us and through us to find solutions for the problems we face. We need a Christ who is king. We need a strong, powerful God that we can work with. So on this Christ the King Sunday, we remember that we remember not just Jesus the man, but Christ the Savior who's in charge. Jesus is a historical figure, of course. He was a wise teacher. He was a healer. He was a miracle worker. He was a moral example of how we should live. He is all those things, but he's more. Jesus suffered humiliation, was crucified, resurrected, and, and ascended. All those things are a crucial part of his identity. But Christ is more. Christ is an essential is essential, part of the essential structure of the cosmos. Colossians says that it is through Christ that all of creation was created. 
Through Christ, all of creation was created. This means that Christ is not just the center of the spiritual and moral universe, but Christ is the basis of gravity, chemistry, biology, physics, cosmology. Ronald Rollheiser writes that Christ is behind the hormonal drive of teenagers or the protective impulses of mothers or the generosity of the saint. This Christ is divine and powerful and can break down walls. We worship this cosmic Christ. I grew up in Huntsville and I, on, on Governor's Drive, there's a big old church, First Baptist Church, and there's a wonderful mosaic on the, on the front of this First Baptist Church. I hope that you've seen it when you've driven uh, in Huntsville. It's, and it's the cosmic Christ, this great Christ that's in charge of the world. I confess that uh, in Huntsville, we call it the egg beater Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus comes down and then there's all these swirls and kind of looks like an egg beater. Some, some of you know what an egg beater is. Others of you are, are just pretty clueless uh, about that. But the artist tried to portray Jesus as powerful, the ruler of the planets and the universe and black holes in the midst of a city with very educated people who may have the tendency to think very highly of humanity and very lowly of God. If you've visited Orthodox churches, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, all, these, all the Orthodox churches, you walk in and there's usually a dome. And on top of the dome is painted this picture or an icon of, a, of the cosmic Christ, the ruler of all time. This Christ who is capable, with or without our help, of taking care of business. Christ, you see, is bigger than the historical churches and operates beyond the scope of any words that we put on Christ or any boxes that we put God into. So today on this Christ the King Sunday, we're challenged to stretch our imaginations about who God is and what God is capable to do of doing with us. I want to challenge you today to think of something big that you think God may could do in your life or do in our church or in our city or in our country or in our world. What could God do through us in the months and years to come? I challenge you to pray for something big. What is God calling us to do? Being in Europe the, uh, two weeks ago, I was reminded of, of East Germany and West Germany and, 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 and uh, how the Soviet Union was part of, how, how it controlled Eastern Germany. You know, the, the people in East Germany were, and West Germany were very unhappy about that Berlin Wall that separated families and friends and neighborhoods. And I was reminded that in 1982, a pastor named Pastor Christian, isn't that a great name? Pastor Christian, I can't pronounce his last name, that's why I'm not going to, but 
he, he and a few members of his congregation made a commitment to every Monday at 5 o'clock, they were going to gather at the church at the Nikolai East German Church in Leipzig, and, and they were going to pray every Monday night for the wall to come down. Now that was, in 1982, that was a crazy prayer. It was a big prayer. They were going to pray for peace. And the symbol for their priest, peace was this really strong Jesus that was beating a, a sword into a plowshare. That, and you know that symbol. The strong Jesus that was beating the sword into a plowshare. They prayed for peace and week after week and tried to imagine living in a country that was united. Where they were free to travel to the west and have choices. After seven years of this weekly prayer meeting, more and more people kept coming to this prayer meeting and imagined, uh, imagined the Berlin Wall coming down. In May, May 8th, 18, 1989, the police set up barricades to stop people from coming in to pray on, for their Monday night service. And in September of that year at the fall festival in Leipzig, so many people came and, and, and the reporters came and they filmed people coming out of that little Nikolai church from their prayer service with signs advocating for peace and for the wall to come down. A month later, there was this impromptu gathering of over 70,000 persons from around East Germany who joined this prayer service. It was as if the Holy Spirit was moving and people came. The police had guns and tanks. But what the people had were prayers and candles. And you know, and it takes two hands to keep a candle from going out. The police didn't know what to do. They were ready for people to throw rocks at them or shout at them so they could take care of it. But they didn't know what to do with people who were singing and praying and holding a candle with two hands. The candle, the symbol of nonviolence. A month later, as you know, the wall came down and unification the next year was a reality in Germany. Now we can debate the complexities of how this came about with economics and Gorbachev, and, but Pastor Christian believes that prayer had something to do with it. Pray as if everything depends upon God and act as though everything depends on you. Would, have you, would you have had the faith to gather week after week and pray for the impossible? Would you have gathered to pray for the impossible? Will you gather to pray for the impossible? What is a big dream? What's an impossible dream that this church could have? Maybe your dream would be for there to be 100 new members and 22 of this church. Maybe your big dream would be in five years would pay off the debt of this building. Don't be afraid. To pray and dream for the impossible. I know that people laughed when Bill Pine started working on the humpback chub. Who cares about a fish in the Colorado River? 
But God cared. It was through Christ that that fish was created. God cares. What can God do through us to make a difference in the world? Let us pray. Sometimes, oh God, we've, we admit, we just forget that you're already at work in the world. Our task is to figure out how we can see what you're doing and become your partner. We do believe in this historic human Jesus, but we also believe in this powerful Christ who is not finished with the world and not finished with us. Help us, O oh God, to be part of your transforming work in this wonderful world in which we're blessed to live. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.